Well, hey, good morning. I'm so glad to be here. So glad that you are here as well. And I have a sermon this morning, and the title of today's sermon is A Sermon About a Sermon. <laughs> now, let's start with a story from the book of Acts, which I love this story. It's an odd story. It's one of those weird stories that you kind of find all over the place in the Bible. You read a story, and if you're a good religious person, you read it, and you just go, yeah, okay. But in the back of your head, you're sort of like, what in the world is happening here? But you are a good religious person. You don't want anyone to know that you're confused about the story. So you just carry on, and you memorize the story instead of unpacking it for the wisdom that the story contains and what it has to speak for your life. So I'm going to take one of these odd stories. I want to talk about it. And essentially what I want to do here this morning is give you, I want to offer you a framework for what it means to follow God with your life. We just sang, oceans, spirit, lead me wherever you are calling. And right there, those two lines, it sums up exactly what I want to speak about this morning. So maybe you'll have the ocean soundtrack playing in your head throughout this entire sermon called, I just want to say it again because I love the title, a sermon about a sermon. <laughs> now we'll be in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Paul and his companions, Paul is a missionary. He has had this life conversion. He was Saul. He was attacking followers of Jesus, but then something happened in his life. He had an epiphany, and all of a sudden, the very things that he despised, he fell in love with. And he became this fiery follower of Jesus, going all around the world, telling people the good news of Jesus. This is what he committed his life to. And he has a group of people who are going around the world with him. Here we pick up the story. His companions, they traveled throughout the region of Fergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, when they came to the border of Musia, they tried to enter Bethunia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Sounds like a tongue twister already. So they passed Musia, and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. The alarm went off. We packed our bags, and we headed straight to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let me give you an overview of this story. Paul and his companions, they had this desire. They wanted to go and preach the word. They wanted to talk about Jesus in Asia. But what happened? The Spirit blocked their path. They had a clear lane. They were going up for the dunk. No one was there. And all of a sudden, the Spirit comes in and rejected. They had this desire in their hearts. This was a good desire. This is what Paul had committed his life to. He said, hey, we are going to go to Asia to preach about Jesus. To tell others this good news. The Spirit's like, no, you're not. Then, Paul and his companions, they had this other desire. They were going to go to Bithonia. And what happens here? That desire is blocked again. 
We can all agree this is a good desire, is it not? Paul has fire in his heart. He can't wait to share the very thing that has transformed him in hopes that others will have their lives transformed, that others will come to meet the resurrected Christ. They're on their way, their bags are packed, but then something, we don't know exactly what, but something happened that stopped them in their tracks. And so they had to take a different path. They had to pursue something new. After these two rejections, the story continues, Paul then had a vision while he was sleeping. And then it was that vision that he had that actually came to pass. We want to go here. No. We want to go here. No. We have a vision. Let's go and preach the message of Jesus here. Now, a few notes that I want to offer for this weird story. Because if you have a good desire to go preach the message of Jesus, wouldn't you think that the Spirit would just open the path, clear the runway? You want to go and and talk about Jesus to this group of people, to these friends. That's a very, very good thing. Don't you think God would honor that desire? Yet for some reason, Paul has to shift. He, He has to move in a different direction. So five notes for us to look at. First, this story normalizes our wandering moments. Paul and his companions They're wandering around. One of the things I think that happens in the Bible, you read a line and the very, the the tension that's in what you've just read, it gets resolved in the next two or three lines. So you can read those two or three lines in the span of 30 seconds. So the tension that you were holding, well, it's now resolved immediately. And you don't actually have to live with that tension because it's been resolved for you. You ever watch a really good movie and you're literally on the edge of your seat and the tension holds throughout the entirety of the movie? Maybe it's two hours or so. Well, there's none of that when you read the Bible because the tension, it's resolved pretty much right when you read the next line. But think about Paul and his companions. They were traveling around. Who knows? Maybe they had traveled for a couple of weeks. They wanted to go to Asia. Well, Asia wasn't right around the corner from where Paul was from. They had to do the work. They had to travel the path. They had to pack their bags. Maybe there were some nights when they had no lodging, when they couldn't find any food. They had done the hard work, and then all of a sudden, the reward at the end, they were prevented from seeing that reward. The tension would have gone on for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Is this familiar to any of you? Have you ever found yourself in a place of wandering, a place of tension that you long to be resolved, but weeks go by, months go by, and yet the tension is still there? This story normalizes our wandering moments, those times in which we feel lost, aimless. This story says, that's normal. Being human means that, yeah, you're going to feel lost at times. You're going to be moving in a direction, but it's like you're not going to be able to find your footing in the midst of it. So if you find yourself wandering, well, you are in a good place. 
Uh, here's a second thing for us to note. This story normalizes the ambiguity we can face when following God. Maybe you have a desire in your life to follow God. You want to move in the direction. As we sang oceans, I said that would be the soundtrack in the back of your mind. You want to follow where the Spirit is leading. But you wonder, wh- where is the Spirit leading? And so you, you wander around. You, you, you take this step, and it doesn't materialize into anything. And so you, you pivot over here, but that doesn't do anything. And, and so you're left wondering, well, God, I want to follow you. You have that desire, like Paul had that desire, but yet you don't really know which direction to move in. Following God is unclear at times. Yes, there are some things that are very clear, like you are supposed to love people. So yes, there's some things that are clear, but who are you called to go love? Well, obviously everyone, but what does that actually look like in your life? Uh, Sometimes there can be some murkiness in following the path that God has ahead of you. Now here's a third thing for us to note. This story shows that every good desire you carry will not be fulfilled. This is a hard one to stomach. Paul has a really good desire. Go preach the message of Jesus. It's a good desire. You hold good desires within your heart. Desires that are pure, that are God-honoring. Desires that would bless the world, that would bring healing to the world. But the truth is, every single good desire that you hold within you, it, they, they all won't be fulfilled. There are some desires that just will not see the light of day. I don't know why this is. It just is. And this story makes this extremely clear for us. Fourth thing for us to note, the Spirit is leading you somewhere good. Sometimes it's hard to believe this. You have a good desire, that desire gets blocked. That door gets closed. And you wonder, God, where, where are you leading me? If you're closing this door, well, this was the very thing that I wanted. This is how I was going to honor you with my life. Well, you blocked that door so we can get really angry at God, and sometimes we do. Well, I was doing this for you. I was trying to be a follower of Jesus, and now this door got, is closed. It got slammed in my face. It's hard for us sometimes to pick up the pieces of a desire that gets shattered in front of us and believe that the Spirit is actually leading us somewhere new, somewhere that is good. Paul didn't get it until the third try. Again, we don't know how many weeks, months, Sometimes it takes years for us to see where God is leading. And when you get there, it may look quite different than what you had envisioned or expected. You ever experienced this before? The door gets blocked, you move in a new direction, and you're like, huh, this is good. I like this, but wow, didn't see this one coming. But you're like, all right, God, this is good. I can take it. And then a fifth thing for us to note. The place where the Spirit is leading you is the place where your joy and the world's pain meet. 
I got this from one of my all-time favorite quotes by the author Frederick Beekner. He says this, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where are you being called? A place of joy for your soul. And a place where there's, there's a need in the world. Notice, in the story we just read, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia, Macedonia standing and begging him. Begging him. There's a lot of emotion behind that word. In this vision, in this dream, there's a man, please, please, come and help us. We need help. This was a place of hunger, a place of need. What was Paul's greatest joy? Preach the message of Jesus. He was trying to do it. He was blocked here, blocked there. And now we come to discover that there was a great need in Macedonia. Where is the Spirit leading you? The place of your deepest joy, your deepest gladness, and the place of the world's deepest hurt. That is where you are being led. Now, uh, I told you what I want to do is give you a framework for following God with your life. And in order to do this, I want to talk about my sermon writing process. And so I want to give a sermon about a sermon. Specifically, I want to talk about last week's sermon because this was one of those sermons for me I did not see coming. And I actually, until this past week, I didn't realize how much wisdom there was in just my whole process of writing this sermon. Uh, so in December, normally I like to work a couple of months out. In December, I was mapping out all of my January, February sermons. Okay, I'm going to talk about this idea. We're going to do this here. Uh, we are going to use this passage. I want to put this into a series. And so I was working it all out in December. And then as I mentioned last week, life happened. And I found that the things that I was inspired to talk about in December, well, I was no longer inspired to talk about them. It just didn't feel right. So as I was putting last week's sermon together, I realized, well, I have two options. One, I could double down and I could force the original idea into a sermon. And I could do it. That's fine. I'm sure it would have come out okay. Not a problem. I could just force my way through and write the sermon that I had determined I was going to write in December. Could have just sat down at my desk, put my seatbelt on, stayed at the desk until this thing was outlined. Or I could talk about where I was finding inspiration in the moment. Now, my younger self would have chosen option one. I had said I was going to talk about this. There's a reason why I said I was going to talk about this. I am just going to barrel my way through it. It kind of lo would have looked a little bit like this. Trying to squeeze water from a stone. I could just force my way through this thing and make something work. Which then raises a question for all of you this morning. Have you ever found yourself trying to force your way into a future that you desire? Maybe it's a good desire. I mean, my desire was good. I wanted to put a sermon together that would help all of us make sense of where we are in our journey with God. That's a good desire. Paul had a good desire to preach the message of Jesus. Have you ever found yourself in this position before? You have this desire, and you are going to squeeze water from that stone. You are going to see that desire 
come to fruition, which then raises another question, which is, what did that way of living produce within you? If you've ever been there before, what, what, what did that, this is your participation part, what did, what did that way of living produce? What did it do within you? Any takers here? Exhausting, stressed you out, frustrated, resentment, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know what this looks like. We've been there. There's this heaviness to life. Well, no, 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 this is good, and I'm going to just put my head down and keep on going, keep on moving. What I learned last week, because I did not choose option one, I think I have hopefully matured from my younger, earlier self, grown in wisdom. I chose option two, which a couple of years ago I never would have chosen. Like, wait, what, what? I can't do this. No, I planned for this. There's no way. But yet last week it was like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. And I actually had quite a few of you come up and be like, hey, that was really helpful. Thank you. See, there's another way than just trying to squeeze water from stones. There's another way than living full of resentment or bitterness or feeling heavy as you're walking through your days, being exhausted or stressed out, frustrated. And it's the way of trust. The way of trust. So the question then is, how do you find the way of trust? Well, if there's this way, which is really, really heavy, but if there's another way of trust, which, I mean, when Jesus talks about what it means to follow Jesus, he talks about a way that is light, a, a, a way that doesn't feel burdened. This is the way of trust. Here's how I have learned to follow the way of trust. You listen. You listen. Yeah, last week, I was hearing something. Let's not talk about this right now. Maybe we'll come back to it later. But for right now, this isn't what you need. It's not what Awaken needs. And sometimes we hear that small voice, we hear that whisper, and we push it aside because our desires sometimes speak louder. Sometimes they're shouting out, but yet there's this small whisper that comes into that shout. And we can just write it off or we can be silent and we can hear the wisdom that is being offered to us. So how do we find this way of trust? You remain silent and open. We listen to that whisper. Another way, we feel. We feel our way through where we are. You know what it feels like to be exhausted. You know what it feels like to be burdened. You know what it feels like to be stressed. You know what it feels like for life to be heavy. Do you like those feelings? So besides Keaton, <laughs> yeah, do you like feeling burdened? No. So you feel, I mean, for me, when something is feeling off, it's a sign for me to pay attention and to listen. Okay, 
there, there's something that feels off right now. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to trust that if I'm silent for a bit and if I listen, that I'm going to discover what's causing me to feel off. And I'm going to trust that I will, in my listening and in my silence, that I will find the wisdom for moving forward in a different direction, feeling differently, feeling more in line with the lightness that Jesus talks about for his followers. And then here's a third way that I have come to discover the way of trust. You pay attention to two things. Well, many things, but uh, two big things. You pay attention to what your life is speaking. Uh, There's a great quote that I love, God comes disguised as your life. Sometimes we just don't pay attention to our lives because we have our heads down. No, this is the direction. This is the path. I established it five years ago, six years ago. They told me that this was my path because that happens quite a bit too. But you listen to your life. The Spirit is speaking through all the situations that you find yourself involved in. And then you also pay attention to the hurt around you. Paul could have had this vision, and he could have dismissed it. Yeah, I, I, I think there's some hurt going on over here in Macedonia, but I really wanted to go here. So I'm just going to set that aside, and maybe I'll get back. But no, no, no. Immediately, what did they do? They went to where the hurt, where the pain was. So you pay attention. Where, where's there a need around me? You, you listen to your life. You pay attention to the hurt around you. So how do you find the way of trust? You listen, you feel, and you pay attention. Now, we need to talk about hard work versus hard work because this, of course, comes up. And I'm sure this is exactly what you were thinking about, right? This was going to be the next slide. Because there's hard work that looks like this. This is hard work. This is work that leaves you with all those feelings that you had described earlier. And you probably are going to get a hernia if you keep trying to live life this way. But then there's hard work that looks, and this was the best picture that I found. I, I think I searched by 15 minutes for the perfect picture. I don't love it, but I think it will probably make you laugh. Uh, this is the type of hard work. It's a different type of hard work. I don't know. Okay, this guy totally could have been posing for a picture. Like, yeah, I'm working out, right? Yeah. Or maybe he was working out really hard and he was finding joy in the process. Because there's hard work that looks like this, that's exhausting. And then there's hard work that looks like this, and it's tough. Like, you go to the gym, and you want to get a good workout in. You don't want to just sort of like, yeah, I lifted a couple of little dumbbells, and okay, time for the shower, we're done. You want a good workout. That's why you go to the gym. And you're tired, but it's a good kind of tired. It's a different type of tired than this type of tired. For Paul and his companions, th- there was hard work involved. But it was hard work that produced joy. You know the difference between these two. Have you ever experienced these before? Y- you commit to something. You sacrifice. But it doesn't really feel like a sacrifice. It feels like it was just a joy to commit myself to this. It was a joy to give energy to this. It was a joy to live into this desire. So, yes, it doesn't mean, well, I'm going to follow Jesus, everything is light. It doesn't mean 
that you're not going to sacrifice. Well, of course there's sacrifice involved. Every good desire, there's sacrifice involved with it because you have to say no to something in order to say yes to the thing that you desire. So, yeah, there, there is an element of hard work, but it doesn't look like this type of hard work where every single step you take is just, whew, you feel that energy just leaving you and you wish you were walking a different path. So yes, there's a difference between hard work and hard work. And we're talking about this type of hard work. Granted, we're going to assume that this guy was working out and not just posing for a picture and then went home and had a couple of Big Macs. Now, uh, let's end our sermon here this morning with three questions for us. First question. Are there any places where you're trying to force a future right now? I didn't say these would be easy questions. We come to community group, and Adrian is there, and she's always like, man, these questions. Can you start off with an easier question, please? Sorry. Uh, I know this isn't an easy question. It's a tough question. It's a tough question to be honest about as well. Sometimes we like to convince ourselves of things. But if you're being honest at how you're feeling, think about that feel. Are there any places where you're trying to force a future right now? Question number two. As you listen, feel, and pay attention, what are you hearing? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? And then a third question for us. These are all like two ABC. That's how I can still call it three questions. Uh, third question for us. Where are you being invited to trust and take a step? Do you have any visions? Is there any pain that you see around you and you think, ooh, if I could help here, well, that would bring me great joy. What's the next step for you in this moment? Where is the Spirit leading you? So those are three questions for us to sit with, uh, to think about, to be honest with. And they're hard questions. But my prayer is that as we answer these questions and as we take that step, that like Paul, we will find our way because that's how it works. You take a step. You don't stay stationary. You stay in movement. That's what Paul was doing. So as you take those steps, you'll come to discover the path that the Spirit is leading you down for this moment in your life.